The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me Have you decided 
to follow Jesus? No, really, in the deepest part of your soul, have you made a decision to sell out and follow Jesus Christ? Have you determined that whatever the price is, you will pay it? Now, I need to be very frank with you today. There is a tremendous price to be paid if you choose, if you will, to follow Jesus Christ. Jesus is not religion. Jesus is a person. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is not a set of religious observances. He is God. And the scriptures outline for us a tremendous price that the descendants of Adam and Eve must pay if they are going to follow Jesus Christ. Let me read for you Matthew, the 16th chapter, beginning with verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wills to come after me, he must deny himself and must take up his cross and must follow me. Now, in spite of whatever you may have been told about all you need to do is bow your head and say a little sinner's prayer, and then you accept Jesus, and then you're saved, regardless of what you've been taught about that, and regardless of what you've been taught about the nature of religion and what you must do in attendance to your religious duties, Jesus cuts across all of that. And he says, look, if you make the decision that you are going to follow me, the first thing you must do is disown yourself. You cannot own yourself and be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's reality. You take up your cross, which is an instrument of execution. You follow Jesus. Where? To Golgotha, where you are crucified with Christ. Verse 25, For whoever may will to save his life will lose it, but whoever may lose his life for my sake will find it. What has following Jesus cost you? No, I mean that. Have you paid any price to follow Jesus. If you have paid no significant price to follow Jesus, and if you've simply tried to use Jesus to improve your own life, you are not a Christian. It requires a disowning of oneself and a complete giving over to the work of crucifixion that is done by Jesus. Now, I'm going to read for you and share with you today other descriptors of this process of crucifixion. It is a work that Jesus does 
in our hearts. He does it for us. He does it with us. But our part in that is to disown ourselves and to make a willful choice, a conscious choice, that no matter what the cost, we will follow Jesus. For what does a a man profit if he may gain the whole world and may suffer the loss of his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is destined to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his activity. In other words, if your activity is not that produced by the Holy Spirit in your life, you will not be allowed to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is not an add-on to a fruitful personal life of success. Jesus is not an add-on to feel better about myself. Jesus is not an add-on to help me escape tribulation in this world. All of my focus will be required on the work of Jesus Christ if I am going to successfully make the journey from earth to heaven. Now please understand what I'm saying. The greatest interest of your heart, the single interest of your heart, must be Jesus. And then as you come into that intimacy with Jesus, he will direct you on how to lead the children if you're a mother or father with children. He will direct you in the work you're engaged in as a place of assignment for the work of the kingdom of heaven, where you are called to be a servant leader. In every relationship, Jesus will now fill your heart and your mind, and that relationship will not be separate from the work of Jesus. You will have no area of your life or your heart that is reserved for you. Every part of your heart is now to be given to Jesus, and he is to become the Lord and the ruler over your life. Now, some of you recognize the coldness of your heart or the lukewarmness of your heart, and you wonder why. And I shared with you yesterday, out of the book of Luke, out of the parable of the sower, some very specific things that will cause the presence of the Holy Spirit to be grieved from your life that will leave you with a residue of Christianity, but filled with worldliness. It's terrifying to me to listen to many Christian men and women talk as they share their interest and the hours spent watching movies, the television, the entertainment, the professional sports, It's frightening to me because I know that as they sit in front of that television, fat and lazy, 
the Holy Spirit is being grieved from their life and their mind is being caressed by Satan, seared as with a hot iron to cause them not to understand or to be interested in the deep things of God, but instead be satisfied with a shallow, cheap religion. We need Jesus to step into the American church. We need, can I put it this way? We need Jesus to sign executive orders in our heart to release in us the power of the Holy Spirit and to shut down those things that block us from understanding or coming close to Jesus Christ. And so in Luke, the eighth chapter, we have Jesus speaking about the seed, the word of God, that is planted in our heart, being choked by cares, responsibilities, always focusing on what we have to do to be successful as a wife, as a husband, as a father, as a mother, always focusing on what we have to do to be successful in our jobs, to make money, always focused on responsibilities that will choke out the Holy Spirit. Now, does that mean that we're to be irresponsible? No, all of those responsibilities are now to be given to Jesus. And we cry out before him, we pray, we wait on him, and he gives us direction regarding which responsibilities should be dumped and which should be taken up. And he empowers us and equips us to do this work. Secondly, the love of money, the the deceitfulness of wealth, thinking that if we just had the money, we could. No, Jesus pays for what he orders. And then the pleasures of life. These three things totally eviscerate any fruit-bearing in the life of a Christian. Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness. Also fruit of righteousness. Fruit of holiness. And also fruit of being a fisher of men. These three things say you don't have time to do what God really wants you to do you can't you can't really focus on your relationship with Jesus because you have all of these other responsibilities that is a lie and then the pursuit of money thinking that money will buy us what we want and seeking the pleasures of life How many men I've watched as they have retired and then utterly given themselves to travel to the pleasures of life. And there's no spirit life in them. They're just good old boys waiting to die. 
I'll never be that. Many of my friends have retired. Many of my associates have retired, and they say to me, Ray, when are you going to retire? Well, I'm not. I'm going to make the transition from earth to heaven by the grace of God. And there will be no retirement. How can I retire from the service of Jesus Christ? How can I retire from serving him every day? Full bore. My dad used to say, Raymond, make certain you don't rust out. Make certain you wear out. Well, I'm determined I'll wear this body out and then Jesus will transition me to a new body to continue the work of ministry that I do now. Oh, it'll be in a different way, in a different place. But it will still be service to Jesus because he's captured my heart. All I desire is Jesus. He is the love of my heart. I want Jesus. One woman that I met, I said to her, how do you plan to spend the rest of your life? And she said, well, I'm looking for a man who's wanting to travel. I have enough money for both of us. I just want to travel and enjoy life, and I want a partner who will go with me to enjoy that life. She said, what about you? I said, oh, I'm not the man you're looking for. I don't intend to enjoy the rest of my life lounging in some beautiful hotel or some beautiful resort or some beautiful cruise ship. I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. You see, I don't own my life. I was bought at a price. These things, the responsibilities of life, the desire for wealth, the deceitfulness of wealth, for the sake of taking care of myself and not trusting Jesus, and the pleasures of life, these things drain away the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now let's go back to Revelation, the third chapter, where we're spending the majority of our time all this week. In the third chapter, there is a letter addressed to the pastor at the church at Laodicea, the messenger the one who brings the word of God to the people. And Jesus says to these people, I know your works. In other words, I know what you do. I know how you spend your time. You're not cold and you're not hot. You're too good to go to hell and too bad to go to heaven. That's a sorry state of affairs. He says, I would that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I'm going to vomit you out. This word is spoken to men and women, and you may be one of them, who are very religious, 
but have no zeal for Jesus. Instead, you're enjoying the pleasures of this life. You're enjoying seeking after the security of money. You're filled with all of the responsibilities that you carry in your life. You're religious, but you have no fire in your heart for Jesus. Because you say, I'm rich and have become wealthy and I have need of nothing. What's he saying? I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because you think you have your life together. Because you are indifferent to the deep things of the Spirit. Because you are self-satisfied. You're comfortable. You're not earnestly seeking after Jesus. He says, because of this, because you say, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I have need of nothing, because of that, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Yes, because you're lukewarm, but you're lukewarm because you have no deep abiding hunger for Jesus. Now, please, let me put it this way. Some of you have, pardon me, a deep intellectual searching for information. You want to know what the doctrines are, and you know how to argue all of the points of doctrine like an attorney. Some of you are absolutely certain that you're right. And so you show no respect for others. You're so much like a bull charging through the china closet. You don't see the wreckage you leave behind in relationships. You don't see or understand the damage you do to others, to the hearts of others. You are so self-contained and so self-righteous in your intellectual understanding of what you think you have to be about with your life. It's tragic. I run into people like this regularly who have no respect, no humility. You correct them and they say, what are you talking about? I have the right to do what I want to do. I have the right to say what I want to say. This isn't your church. A total lack of respect, a total lack of understanding, a dumb self-centeredness, but very sharp intellectually. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a humble, burning zeal for Jesus. I'm talking about laying everything down and following him and allowing him to finish in you the work of holiness. To allow Jesus to put to death everything that is of your flesh, of 
utterly selling out. That's why I opened this broadcast with a question. Have you willed to follow Jesus? This is not cheap or shallow. This is real. This is costly. In fact, it's going to cost you your pride, your anger, your bitterness. It's going to cost you your lust. It's going to cost you your pornography. It's going to cost you everything of the of the darkness. It's going to cost you your football, your professional sports. It's going to cost you everything if you're going to really follow Jesus. It's going to cost you your defensiveness. It's going to cost you your hunger to be powerful and strong. It's going to cost you everything. Now he continues. Because you say, this is the third chapter of Revelation, verse 17, because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy, I have need of nothing, but you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Oh, not in the physical realm. He's not speaking here about the physical realm. He's speaking about the spirit realm. He's talking about where reality is. And then he begins to give very specific counsel regarding what we must do to correct this situation in which we find ourselves. Pardon me. In verse 18 of Revelation 3, he says, I am counseling you, or I am advising you, to buy from me gold, having been refined by fire. I'm counseling you to buy from me And I've looked at a number of commentaries, and they all say the same thing. They say, he's counseling us to buy, without cost, gold. But but Jesus didn't say without cost. He said, buy from me. Well, what is the coin that I must buy with? And how do I get that coin? by allowing yourself to be refined by fire. Let me share with you some very important scriptures. I'm going to go first to the Old Testament. I want to read for you Malachi, the third chapter. I would urge you, if you have your scriptures, to go to that passage Malachi the third chapter see I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me that messenger was John the Baptist 
This is 200 years before John the Baptist comes. And then Jesus was silent for 200 years to let the children of Israel make some decisions about how they were going to walk. He's saying, I'll send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. Jesus will come to the temple. The messenger of the covenant, of the new covenant, whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launder's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. How will he refine them? He's going to refine them in fire. And he's going to refine them, refine them with a very fine, strong, launder's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier. You see, if you have made a decision to follow Jesus, the first thing you have to be aware of is that he knows exactly what you're doing. He knows what your actions are. And he's now going to come to you. And he's going to begin to use soap to clean you up. And he's going to use a refiner's fire to purify you. He's going to begin to change the way you act, the words you speak, the actions you take. He is going to begin to transform you into his likeness, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now the modern church wants to say, oh no, Jesus is gentle and kind and sweet. That's not the description the Lord Almighty gives of his servant, his son who comes. He says, who's going to be able to stand before Jesus? He's going to come as a refiner, a purifier of silver, purifying, refining like gold and silver. He's going to purify the Levites. Well, who do the Levites represent? The Levites represent the people of the new covenant. The Levites did not receive an inheritance in the promised land. God was their inheritance. God was their inheritance. For the new covenant, what is the inheritance of the people of God under the new covenant in the New Testament? Their inheritance is Jesus Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory is that we can become one with Jesus. That's going to require a dramatic change in our direction and in our actions. 
and Jesus is going to begin to function as a refiner's fire in your life. He's going to begin to remove a job. He's going to begin to remove the goals you've held. He's going to begin to remove from you the desires of your heart. And he's going to give you new desires and new goals and new objectives. He's going to change you. He's going to transform you. He is going to metamorphose you. He is going to crucify you. And the man of flesh is going to be gone. It is going to be transformed into a new creature. Now, look with me also. Look with, look with me also in in First Peter. First Peter, the first chapter. Let's begin with verse 6. In that you greatly rejoice, though for a little while, if it is necessary, having been grieved by various trials, that the proof of your faith more precious than perishing gold, yet being tested by fire, may be found unto praise and honor and to glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom not having seen you love, on whom not now looking, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable, even having been glorified, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls." And then verse 22. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth, through the Spirit in unhypocritical love, you must love one another out of a pure heart constantly, having been born again, not out of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the living Word of God, even abiding forever. This work of the refiner's fire begins as soon as you make an honest decision to follow Jesus, you are then driven into the wilderness of testing and fire and trial. One young man said to me, Pastor, you mean if I decide to follow Jesus, my life is going to become worse? In some ways, absolutely. And in other ways, it'll become much better. It becomes worse in the sense that now you're being sent into the wilderness. The wilderness is the place Jesus was sent for 40 days. He comes up out of that baptismal water and the Father speaks, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Holy Spirit takes him into the wilderness for 40 days for fasting, for prayer, and for testing. And he comes forth like gold tried in the fire, not giving way to Satan in any respect. So 
What does this trial by fire look like? Well, it may mean you lose your job. It may mean you're persecuted at your job. It may mean you find yourself dealing with sickness because the devil's going to come and bring everything against you to try to dissuade you from following Jesus. And in the midst of these fiery trials that he brings upon your life, Jesus uses them to refine you, to cause you to build deep roots into Jesus Christ, to not be swayed by the enemy. Now, one of the wonderful things I've watched in my own experience and many others is that when a person first comes to Jesus and they pray, almost instantly Jesus answers their prayer and he brings about the most wonderful deliverances. This is to encourage us on the journey. But if you duck and dodge the fiery trials, if you don't really make a decision to truly follow Jesus, but simply to be religious. Then the refiner's fire is put out in your life. And you will struggle through all of your life. And you won't allow Jesus to get a hold of that handle to begin to deal with you and cause you to claim the promises of God and enter into the prayer closet and begin to be disciplined by God to begin to be taught by God how to walk holy before him. Your heart will be caught up in responsibilities. Your heart will be caught up in your desire, in the deceitful desire for wealth. Your heart will be caught up in the the wicked pleasures of life. And you will sear your conscience. And you'll be in the Christian church and you'll call yourself a Christian but you're rootless and as soon as persecution or trial comes you'll blow out it may take 10 years but you'll blow out the desire for your own success and your own your own life the desire to be somebody to be recognized to have people fawn over you the desire to be important. All of these things will take us away from the fire of God that is lit. Not by God, but by the devil coming to try to destroy us so that we will not get serious about following Jesus. And as the trial comes, we'll find a way of delivering ourselves or we'll find a way of, in our despair, discouragement, depression, we'll find a way to just suffer through and never grow up into Jesus, never having the victory, never claiming by faith the promises of God and standing on them though the heavens fall. You notice what he says in this First Peter passage Verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. If the salvation of your soul is not at the very top of your priority list, you'll not be saved. If you have your job, your family, you have everything else first, you won't be saved. 
You may be religious, but you will not be a follower of Jesus. Now, in the midst of all of this, Jesus must be first. How do I secure the salvation of my soul? By giving my soul to Jesus Christ. By allowing him to take me through every painful, fiery place. The Apostle Paul, in the third chapter of the book of Philippians, verse 7, But whatever things were gained to me, I have considered a loss for the sake of Christ. He's talking about all of his keeping of the law perfectly, of his circumcision on the eighth day, on following out the law of the Hebrews perfectly, a Pharisee, zeal and persecuting the church, feeling like he was extremely righteous. All of the things he has done in the past to gain the approval of God, he says, I consider it all a loss for the sake of Christ. But even even more so, I consider all things to be lost because of the surpassing worth of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for the sake of whom I suffered the loss of all things. I consider them to be rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Are you willing to consider all that you've done to earn the place of standing that you have today in your community as rubbish to be lost for the sake of Jesus? Do you consider the standing in your family to be rubbish compared with having Jesus Christ fill your heart and your life? Are you more concerned about how you can please people than how you please Jesus? Are you trying to secure your place as a successful person? at the cost of Jesus Christ? Is it your heart's cry that you may gain Christ Jesus and may be, and may be found in him? Not having your own righteousness, the one from the law, but the righteousness by means of faith from Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. The righteousness that I'm speaking about today does not come by trying hard. It does not come by works of the law. Oh, here are the ten things I have to do. Let's make sure I get those in order. No, there's only one thing you have to do. And it's very costly. You must choose to will to follow Jesus. And when you choose to follow Jesus Christ, he'll bring you into the fire of purification. He'll begin to cleanse you. He'll say, stop looking at that. Stop touching that. Don't go there anymore. 
You'll walk into a place where you've gone for years, perhaps. And the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and say, Leave. Don't come here anymore. Why? Unclean. You'll begin to pursue some activity that you have always pursued. The Holy Spirit will speak to you in the quiet time of your prayer closet or just at the moment you begin to engage in that behavior and he will say, stop, don't do this. The still small voice of the Holy Spirit will speak to you and give you very specific instruction. He will begin to use the soap, the lie, the cleansing soap. He will begin to scrub you with it. There's much that must be taken away. First will be the gross sins of adultery and fornication. The gross sins of drinking and smoking. The gross sins of outrageous anger and bursts of hostility. He'll begin to take those all away from you. Very quickly, he'll take them. And then he'll begin to scrub the inside. He'll say this pride has to go. He'll say this depression has has to go. This fear has to go because fear is unbelief. He will say this unbelief, this refusal to believe my promise must go. Why did the children of Israel end up spending another 40 years in the wilderness with people dying. The scriptures say that happened to them because they would not believe the promise. And yesterday, someone struggling with this that I was ministering to said to me, Pastor, I just don't see God moving in my life. So how can I believe? No, you believe and then you see God move. You stand on the promise. Now, I want to I want to say one other thing to you. And please, this is to the more mature of you. How long does this refiner's fire take? Well, very quickly it will completely remove all conscious rebellion to God. When a man is born again, instantly, the sin of my life is removed. I am justified. I am made righteous. My past sins are forgiven, and I stop sinning in the present. First John, the third chapter, read it carefully, and many other additional passages. So what I want to say is those things of obvious rebellion are quickly removed. But that does not yet shape me into the likeness of Jesus Christ, and it does not hollow me out so that Jesus can come and reside in my soul. And so now there is a process of intense, entire sanctification that must go on in my life. Now, this does not need to take forever, but it will take time. 
And some of us, I said to one brother today, I'm just so upset that I seem to be so dumb, so slow. I know the Lord says, if you lack understanding, come to me. And so I've come to him. And I've asked him to give me a deep understanding of these things that I'm speaking to you of. But I want to tell you, and perhaps it's because of my slowness and my dumbness, or perhaps it's because of my stubbornness. I'm born of German-English parentage, well known for their stubbornness. This refiner's fire has been going on in my life since I was a child. I made the decision when I was a child to follow Jesus. And then as I was educated in a formal seminary and there received my Masters of Divinity, as I pursued ministry, became a successful pastor, quote, unquote. But I kept getting called back to this work of the refiner's fire. And now for the last 30 years, it's been intense fire. When my wife, my late wife, passed from cancer six years ago, now almost seven years ago, that was a refiner's fire in my life. I depended so much on upon her. I looked to her with such love, as a husband and wife should. But after she passed, I recognized how much I had depended upon her and not upon Jesus. And her passing was a refiner's fire in my life that burned down into the very soul of my being. In other words, every event in my life is a refiner's fire, a launder's soap to refine me for the work of the gospel, to cause me to be more gentle and at the same time less pleasing to cause me to be more focused and less common to separate me from the world in greater and greater degree so that I would not walk in accord with darkness would not even tolerate it but would identify it and cast it out of my heart and out of my life if you are not willing to submit to the refiner's fire, you cannot be used by Jesus. So he counsels us, submit to the refiner's fire, submit to the Holy Spirit, let him take everything the devil will bring against you. Don't walk in despair because of that attack. Walk in the promises of God. Claim the promises out of the Scripture and stand in the midst of the fiery darts that come at you and lift up the shield of faith. Put on the armor of God spoken of in the book of Ephesians. Learn how to swing the sword of the Spirit. Learn how to put out those fiery darts of the enemy. 
Allow Jesus to finish this work of refinement in your heart. You know, when you come to Jesus, everything of the world begins to look so common, so coarse, so gross. The more you look at the world, the less appeal it has when you walk in Jesus Christ. Even the most beautiful is shabby compared to the beauty of Jesus Christ. Now we're out of time for today's broadcast. We're coming to the end of the month. I want to ask, please, if these messages are helpful to you, would you, at the prompting of the Spirit, sacrificially give that we could continue this next month? Each month we face the crisis of how do we pay for the radio, and I spend time in the prayer closet asking Jesus to move in your hearts that you would be generous in your giving. And many of you have already been exceedingly generous, and I thank you for your gifts. But we are still far short. Would you mail your tithe or offering or cash offering to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22 one nine five so that we can pay for this airtime at Weva. Lord Jesus, I pray your blessing on your people today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel, Woodbridge, Virginia. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.